today on Foodstuffs, where the farm meets the shore. A scientist, a farmer, and a businessman team up to reduce cow burps for the good of us all. Nothing nicer when you be plowing a field and you look behind and you see the birds, the seagulls and everything diving down into the field looking for the worms. The, the fields were alive with the worms when you start using the natural stuff. I'm Joe Dorgan from Sea Cow Pond, Prince Edward Island, and I'm listening to Food Stuff. Welcome to Food Stuffs, a podcast about food and culture and their intersections. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Goman. So, three seasons in, you may be starting to identify that there are Jess stories <laughs> and there are Brian stories. Sure, you're gonna, we're going to have some crossover, but very often it's obvious, at least to us, mm-hmm. who's going to be sort of leading the charge on what story. And this is one where you found the story, but you decided to give it to me. Why? Uh, well, in general, for anyone that's listened for the last three seasons, you all will probably start to notice that Brian tends to do the farmer, agricultural kind of stories that we uh, tend to cover. And then, with this story in particular, the opportunity for dad jokes is pretty, pretty high. So This is true. That was another, you know, sort of thing that I had to give to you. Because this one, I have to say, was ripe for that. Because <laughs> today we're talking about cow farts. Yes. And we're really going to let it rip. No. Well, <laughs> actually, we're not really going to be talking just about cow farts. We're going to talk about cow burps, too, and how one coastal farmer looked to the shore and his ancestors for an old school yet unconventional way to enrich his soil and accidentally stumbled upon a potential solution to one of humanity's most pressing issues. Serious stuff. Um, so Joe Dorgan of Sea Cow Pond PEI, that is a real place, everyone. Sea um, Cow Pond PEI was looking for an organic fertilizer for his farm and enlisted the help of researchers to test out the different kinds of algae that he had sort of stumbled across and was using, you know, of its own instinct. These researchers then discovered that certain species of seaweed actually reduced the methane emissions that were released when the cattle passed gas. Although making for hilarious headlines as previously alluded to, this is not something to be taken lightly. Methane from cow burps and farts actually makes up, believe it or not, 20% of all greenhouse gas emissions globally. And the use of red seaweed, also known as Asparagopsis taxiformis. Well done. I feel like Harry Potter or something, um, was shown to reduce methane almost completely. Well, you know what they say, methane is the silent but deadly killer. That is enough. Thank you very much, Mr. Goman. Uh, Okay. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. Here is Brian in conversation with farmer Joe Dorgan. Well, I use it for a fertilizer and a mineral source for our animals. Just because it's here, our ancestors used it all their lives. So it's all here going to waste. Let's use it. Make something of it. Do you come from a family of farmers? Did you use it perhaps uh, past generations? I'm, uh, I grew up on a farm of the fourth or fifth generation on this farm and my father used it grandfather everybody used it for uh, for uh, their fertilizer source and then everybody got away from it after a while and but uh, I was a dairy farmer and I went I switched to be an organic dairy farmer imports were expensive 
So I said, we'll use the we'll use the seaweed for our fertilizer. We also use it for the mineral and vitamin source for our animals. I know, understand that it puts a lot of nutrients back in in the soil. What's your opinion on uh, conventional farming now and what it's done to our soil? Conventional farming, it's uh, it's got to be. I guess when you got to farm in such a big way today, because you're carrying such a debt load, and you got to produce so much and everything like that, there'll always be conventional farming. But it is harming the it is harming the soil. We're we're mining our soil today. We're not farming. We're mining it. We're taking all the good out of it, and you can put uh, buying uh, imported fertilizers and chemicals and everything like that. You'll grow crops and everything, but you're not putting anything in the back into the soil that's long term. You're just putting it in for the crop you're growing that year, using the uh, seaweed and the stuff like this here that's been gathered up around the beaches of the wherever you are. You're putting natural stuff back into the soil. That's going to be there for years and years to come. It's like years ago, uh, the people using the mussel mud and stuff out of the rivers and bays. Right. It stays in the soil, stays in the soil for years. And what did you notice once you started using uh, seaweed again as your fer- as part of your fertilizer? What did you notice on your farm? The first thing we noticed on our farm, there was life in our soil. It was chock full of, uh, the soil was full of worms, full of earthworms. And there was the, the the birds were all around, and there was there was life in the ground. And Nothing wh- nicer when you be plowing a field, and you look behind and you see the birds, the seagulls, and everything diving down into the field looking for the worms. The the fields were alive with the worms when you start using the natural stuff. And I guess you had seen that sort of disappear. Uh, it was in gone. The past. Yeah, uh, you know you saw. Uh, a significant impact on your farm. Right. Uh, what did you notice with your cattle specifically? My cattle are, well, you see, I've been commercial and I've been organic. And uh, you can see the difference pretty near immediately when we shifted over to this seaweed. In the health of our cows, the look of our cows, and the, they were peaceful. Well, our health issues went way down. Our, like, we, we were milking Holstein cows and uh, pushing them. You wanted the most milk that you could get. And when we started going to the seaweed, like, our conception rate in our Holstein cows was running around 60%. Within three months, we went up over 90%. Wow. And we seen all kinds of differences. And you'd go in there, you'd look out in your pasture, your cows were all peaceful. They're not wanting for nothing. And just to look at them, you can see a lot healthier animals. Now, the people are around you, um, you're, you farm it in PEI. Yeah. Um, people around you, are are they also using seaweed as fertilizer? There's very few. Where there is some smaller farmers that use it. Not a lot because it's uh, mostly commercial. And the big farmers, they don't have the... They, got, they grow such big acreage and stuff like that. They don't have the time to... Uh, actually do this and they're like they're, they're more in a rushed uh, a rushed way about it eh? but when you talk to uh farmers in your area as i imagine you do um does this come up a lot and, and what's your argument for why people should be using it more i don't know there's really no argument everybody talks about it and they all like what i'm doing and everything like this some people actually switch and uh, and they buy product from us, like the smaller farmers. Now, we sell quite a bit of stuff to the smaller farmers and a lot of the gardeners and everything like this here. Most people now, this is what they use in their gardens. 
people are starting to get back to that where for there was a couple of generations they got away from having their own gardens and raising a little bit of livestock people are starting to go back to that now so you want to know today people want to know where their food and uh, all of this is coming from and they want to know how it was grew and what was used and everything like this here it's the younger generation that's got more interest into it so you are finding that in your in your area that younger people are are more interested in, like you say, sort of what's in their food, uh, yes. what goes into it. Yes, yes. By far, the younger people are the ones today that has the uh, they have more. They study it out more, and there's a lot more access to information and all this here than when we were growing up. Well, one thing I know that um, has been talked a lot about is. Uh, as farmers start to retire now, and I know you're you're close to uh, retirement age, at least I don't know if you feel like retiring, but um, as farmers start to retire, there's uh, become a big issue in Canada of trying to figure out who is going to take over these farms. Do you do you see uh, potential in in young people like being more interested to the the to the point where you could see more of them? Uh, going back to the land and, and taking over farms like yours? In some areas, yes. Other areas, no. Where uh, a lot of the, what I call the bigger operations today, they're going to get picked up by corporations. It's the smaller family farms. Are, they're starting to show that they're coming back a little bit. See, for, for, uh, for the last 30, 40 years, the family farm has been going by the wayside. But now it's starting again. The younger generation is getting more interest into it. And are these, like, typically this is the kind of thing that would be passed down within a family. Uh, but again, what I, I was hearing is that uh, often uh, sons and daughters of farmers are looking to get into other industries. Are you finding that it's people within the family, or are these people that are coming from non-farming families that are, are now uh, more interested in you this? See it from both, you see it from both angles. You get, uh, there's... Uh well, first of all, today there's no big families. Years ago there was always big families. Right. And there would always be one or two in the family that would take over the farm. Right, well, you got four or five kids, then one yeah, or two of yeah, them will probably be interested. Yeah, there's only like two or three kids to, today is a big family. That's true. And uh, you're in a lot of cases, the farms are dying off, and they're going to the big corporations. But you see some people, I know people that uh, that moved from cities and moved out to the country and bought a little piece of land, and they're growing... Uh, they're growing their crops, they sell some, they grow enough for themselves, and they're just trying to survive that way. Eh? Yeah, I mean, I want to go back to the commercial farms for a second. I, I know you're saying that uh, people that, that do uh, commercial farms, conventional farming, they've got to just churn it out, and they're so busy um, that they may not have time to to look into this. Uh, perhaps if there was more incentive, uh, tax incentive, incentives, uh, the governments that, that that the government might lay out, that perhaps these bigger conventional farms might be more interested in, in looking at that. Do you see that as, as an opportunity? Oh, yeah, I definitely see it as an opportunity. But uh, we have a lot of work on our hands is convincing governments. If, if Imagine what an impact this would be if governments stepped up and said, yeah, they didn't have to spend no money to do this research. We've spent the money. We've done the research. We got the proof. Now, if government are anyway serious about the environment or anything like this here, let them step up and say, well, okay, here's a way. This is one avenue we got to support. I'm not looking for financial support or anything like this here, but if they just say to all the, the animals that's produced around the world for... Uh, for meat or milk or whatever, 
this is going to be part of the feed ingredient. Right. And at no cost to them whatsoever. And a very small investment on the, the producer's part. Because one thing about feeding our product to cattle at four ounces per head per day, very minimal, and it's a 100% uptake by the animal, where if you're feeding imported, modified minerals and vitamins, the uptake by the animal is only 11 or 12%. The rest of it is just waste, producing more methane, where we're 100% uptake, Eliminating methane by 90 to 100 percent. That's amazing. We stumbled upon this here with the help of great people, and we may we could make a serious impact on the environment right around the world. But the government's going to have to start taking serious things serious because we poisoned our planet, and it's time there now with this uh, greenhouse gas business and uh, the chemicals and everything like this here, it's time now that you started taking a look at it if you want to pass anything on better to the next generation. Well, what about you? How would that feel? I mean, this is something that, um, from the the research that's come out, there seems like there could be a real meaningful impact if uh, farmers did, did convert to this and that we could reduce our greenhouse gases by quite a bit. We say, uh, up to 20%. If that were to happen, what would it mean to you to be part of that, be part of um, that movement uh, and create such a significant impact in the world going forward? What would that mean to you? It would mean an awful lot to me. I'm pretty near too old now for anything to make that big difference. But it means that I've uh, contributed to something that's going to be some good down the road that I can pass down to my kids or my grandkids. And uh, it means that I've actually done something good for the the atmosphere or whatever you want to call it. We're employing people. We're uh, we're putting people to work. We're we're generating income because for every dollar that you generate in a community, it goes around seven times. And it's good because uh, rural. If you've traveled around rural Canada, rural Prince Edward Island specifically, you will find that the rural areas are dying. There is nothing left, so we got to start taking a look. If we want, we have all our young people leaving. We have an aged population. Somebody has got to come uh, come around to take over to, to pay the bills because uh, you got the health care, the education. Those are serious bills There's a, that has to be paid. Well, the, the aged population can't pay them. We just drain off of it. We're not putting back into it. So here we are. we done something. We spent a lot of money, a lot of our time put into this business we made something of it i feel real good about it and my partner is 81 years old and he, he's just like if he's 20 he's so happy at what we're doing here well joe thanks so much for talking to us good luck i think you're doing something amazing well and, i appreciate uh, hopefully... you taking the time to talk to me and you uh, spread the word first we we will that was brian in conversation with farmer joe dorgan of sea cow pond prince edward island I love that town name. It's unreal. And I love Joe. I love Joe. I, I love know. farmers. Exactly. Come on. I know. Brian has a real, I mean, I do too. I think if you, again, you, you, you talk to farmers, you will grow a soft spot for one. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's just, it makes it, I don't know. I, what a fortunate position we're in because we actually have an excuse to have people answer the phone and take us seriously for any length of time to ask a 
very personal questions about their livelihood and their motivations. And um, who gets to talk to a farmer? Who gets to talk to the people that create the food for them, especially when they are, you know, in these isolated communities across the whole country? I think it's very easy for people to sort of discount you know, people in rural areas in general, I'm generalizing here, but um, this is someone with so much experience and so much learned knowledge from previous generations. Like, it sounds like his folks didn't uh, didn't use this method for, for feeding their cows, but clearly the message was passed down to him in some way or another that he knew somewhere in his, in his lineage. They harvested uh, kelp and seaweed from the seashore not far from his place, and that idea crossed his mind for whatever reason. I'm sure money had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Again, goes to show how little support there is for for farmers doing really hard work um, in an economy that really, really sucks right now. But uh, as if this is the solution that comes out of it, it's beautiful. What a beautiful thing. It is, and it's amazing like there's a part of it that makes a lot of sense and that i think is what led joe down that path Mm -hmm. he knew that his ancestors had done it before and that it served them well Mm -hmm. um and looking for like you say maybe a cheap organic fertilizer let's try it out um but to have that kind of positive impact like here we're taking something that is very natural and to have those sort of natural consequences of seeing worms come back seeing birds come back that whole ecosystem come back that makes sense yeah right but to then go another step further and say that this problem that we've created with uh greenhouse gas emissions that this can also be a solution to that yeah like that is something that uh i think is is amazing and really makes me believe in the harmony Mm -hmm. of the world and i think again when you speak to to farmers, that's what um, that's what they've seen their whole lives, and I think it was really beautiful and amazing to hear from a farmer who had seen that that part of it sort of go away. Yeah, exactly. Right, and the prevalence of of commercial farming, and it's clear that uh, not, not to speak for Joe, but I think it's clear what his opinion is of conventional farming. But he doesn't place blame on his fellow farmers for no. going that route. Um, but for him choosing to go organic and, and use this kind of product on it, um, I think, you know, hopefully we see more, uh, farmers and as a result, hopefully, uh, more businesses, government supporting that action of, of saying, Hey, if this has that kind of positive impact, what can we do to support this? Absolutely. And I just have to think about, it makes me think about if we, you know, Joe lives close to the ocean. Seaweed is there for him. But what about inland farmers? Um, kind of as you were alluding to, it's like, does it make as much sense to ship this across the country if we're having a conversation about, um, you know, environmental impacts, et cetera? But if this was working for the animals that were born and raised in PEI, this is kind of a twisted version of it, but it's the sort of what grows together goes together thing. What about inland farmers? What is the version equivalent to seaweed that might be available to them that they're not even considering? Or maybe, again, that their ancestors would have done. Maybe it's time to return to that. Because there was no science and there was no microscopes and there was no, you know, ways to chart all of these things 100, 200 years ago. But 
there was an instinct and there was mm-hmm. observation. And there was still, exactly, there was still evidence, mm-hmm. right? What's the evidence? What, is, what does a farmer look for? Again, they look for, do I have worms? Do I have insects? Mm-hmm. Do I have birds? Do my cattle and do my animals and my livestock, do they seem happy? Yeah. Right? And we asked, like, how do you know if a cow's happy? Well, if you're a dog owner, you know, you know when your dog is happy, mm-hmm. right? You don't need if words If you've never owned know. a dog before, or if you're not a dog person, that might seem like a ridiculous... Co- well, you don't know what they're thinking. Well, again, spend time in that environment, yeah. and you do, and you have an appreciation for that. And I think it's great now we have hard data, and we have the research, um, so we can back up mm-hmm. that uh, those observations that, that farmers are making. And uh, because this is such a hot button issue mm-hmm. and uh, is something that has been a hot but button issue for a long time and will remain to be so um, hopefully that again that this is the this is the kind of push that uh, might be needed to to get more incentive for this kind of farming as opposed to the more commercialized conventional uh, style of farming that that we see prevalent now yeah I just find it too crazy that it is a farmer who has to fund the research to back this up. <laughs> Isn't it? We live in a crazy world. Yeah. It's a little bit wild. Very uh, great to, to speak to Joe. Such a humble man. And I know he doesn't like to toot his own horn. Brian, but, that's uh, enough. Okay, yeah, enough of the uh, <laughs> fart jokes. And that was another episode of Foodstuffs. Thanks this week. <laughs> go of course to farmer joe dorgan thanks to ken stauer and especially eric betlam this week our savior yes our technical wizard at not CIUT. all heroes wear capes everyone um we had to leave our home at studio two so that it could go to the doctor um but they put us up in the map room just the same it's thanks. nice being back here i know this, this is where us, we all this is where we met on the uh Keenan uh, Wire. Keenan Wire uh, show. Three years ago. Wow. Wow. If you care to follow us on social media, you can find us at Foodstuffs Life on Instagram and Twitter. You can also search for us, Foodstuffs Podcast, on Facebook and keep up with us there as well. We're on the web, the World Wide Web, www.foodstuffs.life. <laughs> you can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe. Absolutely. I'm Jessica Walker. And I'm Brian Coleman. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. What does a cow burp sound like?